0: Hey guys, uh, this is Allison Fine here. You are about to listen to episode two of uh, Old Heads, Young Minds podcast with me and Robert Pinner. Um, Before you start listening, I do want to tell you there is a big trigger warning on this episode. Um, There's some uh, domestic violence, some sexual violence, um, some daddy issues. There's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about because this episode is really about our trauma and kind of explaining where we come from. So we want to make sure that you're prepared and that you understand that this, this is going to dive deep. Um, and so uh, just be prepared. And if it's uncomfortable, turn it off, take care of yourself. And uh, I hope at some point you do listen to it and you enjoy it. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. So enjoy episode two of Old Heads, Young Minds. Peace out. Welcome back to episode number... Ooh. Uh old heads young minds my name's Allison Fine.
1: i'm robert penner
0: um this is our second episode i'm excited to be here um it's gonna be an interesting episode so let's let's see how this goes uh, you want to just dig in <clears throat> um uh, i guess we'll start with our segments right
1: yeah are you good I'm good. I'm actually good.
0: What you been up to? Uh
1: traveling. Been doing a lot of traveling. I went to the Midwest for baseball and did some comedy. And yeah. And now I'm back.
0: Do you want to talk about the trip?
1: I can. I just didn't know if we want to get into it right now. You should. I mean Okay.
0: I mean it's up to you. No,
1: it's cool. Uh if well, those will find out. I'm a baseball nut. Uh went to the Midwest this year. Went to uh, Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago for the Cubs, To Milwaukee Brewers, Minnesota, then back to Chicago, and for two games at the White Sox, and did some comedy, did some, some sightseeing, went to a brewery, went to a distillery, um, just had a good old time. Me and my buddy David, we're good traveling buddies, we're just dudes.
0: He's from Texas, right? Yeah, he's from Texas. So he met you there?
1: Yeah, he drove up from he He's drove dope. up from Texas and in Kansas City his uh his brothers his brother and his partner, um, or his brother and his husband, they're actually married. Um, they live in Kansas City and
0: so Oh, we, is that where you get started?
1: Yeah. And so we oh, we, at their we, house we stayed we stayed, oh, that, cool. we stayed the night there. So it was kinda cool. Did
0: they turn you gay?
1: I mean no, but like <laughs> they're like dinks. You that's know what you that. know what a dink is? No. Double income, no no kids.
0: Oh, they're rich. They're so, rich so gays. Like, and they live it, in the Midwest yeah, where yeah, nothing, it's like, 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 everything costs nothing.
1: Yeah, their house is like awesome. I bet it fucking I is. I was like, and the, look, the ca- you spent
0: the night at a gay person's house, and you didn't even turn gay.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and me and David slept together a lot, like through the whole trip. Like we sleep, So you are gay. I'm, we just sleep together. Oh, it's not. Okay. It's not gay. <laughs> Okay. We well, just hang know, out sleep in a, sleep together, just, men. So. Yeah, we just hang out in our underwear and and sleep together. <laughs> just, and stuff.
0: just full disclosure, I'm queer. His kids are are queer. Like, yeah. I'm completely joking. I just love I that trope that like, being around gay people turns you gay. Right. <laughs> um. So you went to the Midwest. What else did you do in Chicago, Rob?
1: So I did comedy at. Oh, you just did
0: comedy at
1: Laugh Factory. Oh. It was a it was a show they call Stand the Heat, and uh, I don't know the guy's name offhand. I think his name is Aaron hosted. I don't remember names. So
0: tell us about the show. So
1: so the way they do the the show is on this particular one they said they've done a different, slightly different. Sometimes they told me uh, they had a serrano pepper, a jalapeno pepper, and a habanero pepper. Habanero pepper. I don't
0: like peppers, so yeah. What does that mean? Are they all are they all hot?
1: Uh, the habanero is the hottest one. Okay. And, so? and then so e- each comment comes up, they draw a, a slip and get, you get whatever pepper.
0: What pepper and, did you get?
1: And they, I got audience choice.
0: <laughs> and let me guess that the audience said, fuck you, Seattle dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And gave you the habanero.
1: Yes. <laughs> and then, and then, so you're supposed to like get it and then wait till the crowd's supposed to go stand the heat. I just popped it in before. And then you tell your jokes <laughs> yeah, you're after th- that? You're supposed to tell your jokes after that.
0: Holy shit. And
1: then and then it's supposed to be, if you don't drink any water or don't really mention the heat, you're supposed to win a bottle of hot sauce. So I didn't really care about the hot sauce. I, I didn't take no water. I'm good with heat. I'm good with, with spicy.
0: No, but, sir. But, I, but
1: I, I talked about it a little bit. And then I was new to the club. Right. And there, this one of those like, I still don't even know if I got the light <laughs> and it was supposed to be like eight minutes set. And I'm right. like, and I'm like rushing through all my, I'm not taking my time. I have in my mind, my eight minutes, but right. I, I was on my third finishing joke, you know, <laughs> this was supposed to end a long time ago. So I just
0: <laughs> want to put some emphasis here. Um, I went to Chicago last year, went to the live factory. That's where, where I met Erica Clark in person. She's Mr. T's daughter, yeah. who is an amazing comic who came out and did a show for me. Um, and I met a bunch of comics when I was there uh, because of Trey Walker. Shout out, Trey Walker. Um, and I met a guy named Kadeem, and I hooked you up with him. Right. And he got you the, this show on The Laugh Factory. So now I'm jealous because I didn't perform at The Laugh Factory, but you yeah. performed at The Laugh Factory. But um, actually, I'm really happy for you. Thank like, you. I, did you have video? I haven't seen I have video. a video. Okay, cool. I video yeah, movie. I can't wait to watch that video. So you went and you did a bunch of baseball shit, and then you went to... Um, you went so, to the Laugh Factory, and you did comedy in some other cities too, uh, right?
1: St. Louis had an open mic at a bar, oh, yeah. and then uh, uh, Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, they do like a shuttle to the to, to the to the game. Mm-hmm. So we, we found out about it through whatever, right? And and oh. you, you go you go to a bar and you get you drink a beer and they took a shuttle. Well, I get them. I get in, we get in the shuttle, and the 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 lady that's driving she says, "Hey, and uh, after the game, we're gonna have open mic." I go, are you? I'm in. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so then you know, game, whatever. We get back on the thing, and then it was some girls having her birthday. She's like, hey, hey, Mm -hmm. happy birthday! It's my birthday. And then you know, people, and then this one guy, he he gets my, he's like, I'm not a comedian. I said, well, I am. I grabbed, I grabbed the mic and, and, and my buddy's talking to this other guy. He doesn't even realize it. Like I bought, I've been on the mic the whole, the whole time. I did like Two five. guys
0: in uh, Texas watching a baseball game.
1: I know. I like did, did all my, like my newer baseball. I have some baseball jokes that you haven't heard yet. I can't yet, believe but, you did
0: it. When yeah. you told me this story originally, I was like, bro, why didn't you take your cap off and collect tips? I know. I would have, I would have yeah. been like, give me some money for yeah. this shit. Yeah. No, I'm really happy for you. You had a really good time. Yeah. Um, Okay. All right. So you're good.
1: I'm good. Why okay. well, are you good?
0: I'm good. I'm really good, actually. Yeah. So just to give context um, to our uh, future viewers, because we haven't put any of these out yet, um, uh, this is the 17th of May. Um, and we taped like the 5th or 6th of May before, I think, or the 3rd. Yeah, I don't know. something like that. Um, and uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before... Um, I had reached out to Nate Jackson of Nate Jackson Super Funny Comedy Club, and I had said, "Hey, um, I know c- comedian named Shang Forbes is coming. And if you don't know who Shang is, I'm I'm 44, and Shang started when I was like 13, 14, and he was mm-hmm. a he came up with Bernie Mac and Sinbad and Dio Hughley, and you know Shang's been in my like comedy realm my whole life. Um, people might know him because he used to always wear a Kangol." Uh, mm-hmm. A Black Kangol, that was kind of his thing. And um, I, I met him last year when he was here at Super Funny. Okay. And so I had just reached out to Nate and I said, hey, could I do like a like a 10-minute guest spot, you know, in front of Shang? Because I know Shang has a history or uh, reputation of being nice and easy to work with. And I was actually at a show in Bellingham. And I went up and did my 20 minutes in Bellingham. And I came back and looked on my phone. And Nate said he w- was going to book me for... um the entire weekend uh, as a feature <laughs> for Shang. So for those who don't uh, speak comedy lingo, um, when you start comedy, basically you're just doing open mics, open mics, open mics, um, three, four, five minutes, whatever you can get to get good at your craft. And then eventually... Um, you know, longer sets. Um, uh, maybe you might get booked on, you know, a bar show or a, uh, a, a, some sort of a private show or a one off show somewhere. Um, and then eventually, most comics, their next step is like getting to a space where you can be a feature, which is 20 to 30 minutes, uh, getting in at a club, um, on a regular basis. And they call that being passed if you're getting booked on a regular basis. Um, uh and so like I'm past it laughs you know but um at Nate's I consider that my home club because that's where I started um and so uh your first weekend as a feature is a huge weekend for a comic and some comics they don't get that opportunity for three or four years some people do it within six months I mean it's you know based on what the club the club thinks you're you know where what level your club owner thinks you are or the booker right. thinks you are. And so for Nate to take a chance on me and give me the whole weekend. So I did five shows, 20 minutes each show. Um you do? I I, I think I did to be there by the way. Yeah, you, weren't you running, were not here because you were you were on baseball. Okay. You were in baseball. But um I think I did great. I think I did right. great for me. Like I'm a realist, so like I know mm-hmm. where I'm at 19 months in. I know, I, you know, I've watched the tapes back. I know I have a long ways to go, but um, it was momentous. You know, when I got booked, I was extremely uh, excited. I was actually at that show in Bellingham with Richie Armani and, uh, and Jamal Banyan and Harrison Cook and Damon Lawton. And I showed Richie and just the, the message from Nate. And he was like, that is huge. Like, be proud of yourself. Yeah. And he's like, it's OK to jump up and down and yell and scream. Thank you for again, Richie for, you know, for saying that. Um, and so then I started crying and I went outside and I called my mom and I told my mom and, um, and that was awesome. And then I had the experience and, uh, Shang was very supportive and uh, uh, just an amazing human to work with. Um, and for somebody who's been in the game, you know, 30 plus years, that, that was big. Um, and, uh, and it was just—it was a great experience, and um, I'm grateful to Nate Jackson. I hope that I can come back soon, and, and even if I don't feature, you know, do some more hosting there, stuff like that. Um, but I'm really proud of myself. I also—
1: I, I, I want to say I'm proud of you.
0: Thank you. Okay. It was a, it was—it was pretty dope. and um, But I also know how much work I have to do. You know, I watch myself back, and I'm like, I could put six more jokes in that joke, or I could, you know, yeah. tag that up way better. So it was a great experience, and I'm really grateful— that Nate gave me the, that's Nate finally felt like I was ready for that opportunity. So that was really great. And then the weekend after that, um, I went to Pasco for two shows, Pasco on a Thursday and Kennewick on a Friday. And I went out with our, our friend Crispin, uh, Mel Shore and a bunch of other comics and had a really good time. The shows were interesting. I'm not even going to get into them, but, um, I also had some friends from Pasco that came out and saw me. So that that's was cool. really cool. That's cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. oh, good. Oh. I'm excited. Um, good. So today, I know we talked a little bit last episode that these first couple episodes are going to be sort of intro to who we are, intro to why we, why we want to do a podcast, because it does seem like everyone has a podcast. Um, and uh, last, last, last podcast, I think we talked about <sighs> a lot about who we are as people overall. But I think I, I think we did talk, we kind of hinted about trauma.
1: Yeah, and um, yeah.
0: mental health is a big thing for us, and and we both have some really unique kind of stories, about where we come from and what what has made us who we are at these ages, which is our you know our mid forties. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're closer to fifty, but um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I love the dad. So <laughs> I know this is going to be um uh, an emotional episode, and that's okay. Um, again, we don't know exactly when we're going to put these out. Probably the end of May, beginning of June. If it's June already, happy Pride! Um, I wore a gay shirt for, for Pride just in case. Um, Katie
1: has a shirt that says queer, 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 queer. Like,
0: <laughs> like <laughs> uh, I think my favorite gay shirt um, is a rainbow, and it just says "calm down" underneath. Uh, like,
1: I told I her, I told them, I, I told them I need a like. A gay dad shirt. Um, gay, yeah, right. totally. I
0: something like that. Um, Total side note, but, like, when I finally came out as queer at 40, my aunt and uncle—I have tons of aunt and uncles, and and no one's been not supportive necessarily, but um, my aunt and uncle, who were in Savannah, Georgia, went out and bought, like, nice. Savannah mom hugs, dad hugs shirts nice. and, like, went to their Savannah Pride and, like, hung out with the mom hugs, dad hugs crowd and— um got into the gayness on behalf of me, which was pretty special, so.
1: Yeah, that's dope.
0: My mom buys a lot of rainbow shit now, too, so that's their way of supporting me, and I'm I'm grateful for it. Anyway, so um, a big bulk of this episode is really just going to be about our trauma and and kind of things that have brought us to where we are um, and why, I don't know, maybe why we got into comedy in some ways, because comedy is pretty well known for, you know, helping to heal or a place to go to sort of express emotions when you don't know what to do with them. So mm. do you want to start?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about this all day. Uh, how am I going to start? Cause I've had several traumatic events that have happened throughout my life. There's a big one. And, uh, I might, I might say that for the end, okay. you know, uh, so I think I might've touched on this a little bit in the first episode, uh, single parent household, Raised by my mom and my grandparents. My dad was not around. There are pictures of me with my dad, like my first Christmas. And that's it. Like, so that's a, been a big stabbing gut hole throughout my life.
0: So you got daddy issues?
1: Yes. Okay, cool. Very much so. <laughs> that's weird. I, I said that the other day. I was like, you know, that's n- common for women to have daddy issues. I have daddy issues, but... I'm not gay so there's no way to express that. I do know that but, but. Uh,
0: and I and I say that because on the way here actually driving here I was listening to Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart does a has you know his own serious XM channel mm-hmm. yeah. and he does one where he he does interviews. I don't listen to it very often but I happened to catch it today and Charlamagne the God was on there. Oh nice. And Charlamagne the God I didn't know um how much he's really into to men's mental health now oh. and he was talking about how he was you know, not treating his wife very well. He was doing drugs. He was out of control. And one of the things Kevin Hart said was like, "Where do you think that it stemmed from?" And he said, "Daddy issues." Mm. You know, and it was very interesting because Charlemagne the God, if you know him, you know, if people listen to him, you know, he he's on uh, you know New York radio, and um, he doesn't pull any punches. He's a shit talker, and yeah. he's a, he he is. Uh, I love Charlemagne the God most of the time, <laughs> but for him to just say like, "Yeah, shit that happened as a kid, that's where that stemmed from." Um, you know it. Daddy issues we think of as shit that happens to women, right? They don't have dads, or they were abused by their dad, or whatever. But really, and even mommy issues, daddy issues, whatever. Like yeah, I think that,
1: like you said, like the men's mental health is such Mm -hmm. a stigma, like that nobody talks about.
0: I think we're talking about it now. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite movements um, that I've seen, especially within you know a lot of my friends are are black, is like those sweatshirts that say "You good, bro." Hmm. And it doesn't have to be for black people, it's right, just, right? Right, It's marketed at black folks for sure. Yeah, I
1: gotcha.
0: Um, but I love that. It's such a yeah. simple statement, like "you good, bro." Yeah, you good. And I love that. Um, also, I think maybe the subconscious reason that we named our f- opening section "You Good," right? Right. It's just a check-in exactly. on the yeah. mental health. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Okay,
0: so your dad wasn't around.
1: Dad wasn't around. Uh, well, he
0: came around later, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll get. Uh, so, grew up in the '80s. Um, I was a bit of a nerd growing up Most of the time Um Then later in like Intermediate high school I Started hanging out with some dudes And Uh kind of the thuggish life You know Just Partying And this is in Houston? This was in Houston yeah. Okay Partying you know At a young age Uh End up getting my Girlfriend at the time pregnant Straight out of high school Uh and uh, therefore had my son. We got married. We ended up getting married. It's just a formality. How old
0: were you?
1: I was 19 years old when when my son Trey was born.
0: Okay.
1: Um, That's so, pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. Straight out of high school. Uh, she was a year younger than me. Um, and uh, still hanging out with my thuggish buddies. Yeah. Um, and one evening, we decided we were gonna rob somebody, and uh, did like a little pull up on pull up on somebody as they're pulling into their house. I was the driver.
0: Uh, was there something you were looking for? Like, did you know those people? Or? No,
1: we were just looking for opportunity. Oh, it was just, you know,
0: were you guys drunk using yeah, drugs? Yeah, all of
1: that? yeah, we were. Uh, we were drunk. I, okay. I wasn't really heavy. I was at that moment I wasn't heavy into anything else but drinking. Mm. Um, we were and I was in yeah, I was in the, my, my little truck and I was driving, two guys were in the back of the truck and my other buddy was in the passenger side. And one guy pulls out he pulls up and he asked for the money and the guy was being reluctant and he shot him. And that was that, and that happened in December. When my son was not even a year old.
0: Didn't the guy die?
1: No. And the only reason I know this is cause later on. So ended up being not really on the run. I thought we got away with it. You know, we went back to we went back to the crib. We didn't get no money. In fact, we had no money. So like, was, this is
0: over. Yeah, you know, we didn't get <laughs> no Gotta money. Go.
1: Yeah. So we were we went back to the crib and whatever, that was in December. But everybody knew about it, including my
0: so y'all were including my baby mama. Not professional criminals. Right, right. Hell
1: no. <laughs> hell no. I was not okay. a professional what criminal. What happened? And then fast forward to maybe like March or April, um, I get I was partying.
0: <clears throat> oh, this is like four months later.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like I think me and my me and her had split mm-hmm. for a little bit or whatever. Cause I remember coming home and not her her not being around and, and I was at my grandparents' house and the early morning wake up to wake up to knock on the door from two, two detectives and, and they, uh, that probably
0: didn't end well.
1: Nah, Nah, they took me down and for all the questioning and they already know. Yeah, they knew. But they put you in a box, you know, put you in a box and put you in a corner into, like, you basically snitch on yourself.
0: I watch yeah. a lot of First forty-eight. Yeah.
1: See, I was—this was, this was <laughs> pre-First 48. <Right.
0: laughs> I'm just saying, I'm familiar <laughs> with yeah,
1: the pattern. <laughs> yeah, And so, you know, they put the whole threading because technically the truck was in my, grandparent, my grandpa's name and oh, all, shit. all that. And oh. they knew the truck and this and that. And, you know, I've—like— they're gonna take my grandpa's truck away and like that kind of threat of of that. So they Yeah. So, so they, what was the outcome of that situation? So I got locked up for a little bit, and then we end up we all we we all get arraigned or what was right. the fuck word word? So me and my buddy um we end up going kind of to court together. One of the other guys just got off completely.
0: He's a snitch. Huh? He was the snitch.
1: No, I was the snitch. I ended up being the. snitch. Oh, because your
0: grandpa's truck.
1: Yeah, because like but you I, said, they already I, knew. They knew, but I was the one that they got, like first. Yeah, and so like I was like, and yeah. they
0: pulled out your heartstrings. Yeah, that's gotta suck.
1: And so, but that also,
0: I mean, honestly, that speaks to like your conscience. You know what yeah, I'm mean? saying?
1: Yeah, and I, I was not. I may have been a thug, but it wasn't hip to the thug. Got some it. of the some of that that part of being, you know, like got it, you know. Didn't didn't know the tricks that they used to 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 get you there.
0: Okay, so so then
1: I end up getting ten years probation. Okay. Uh, four hundred fifty hours community service, and I was gonna go to boot camp for the first part of my.
0: So how much time? So you never went to prison.
1: Prison, prison, no.
0: Oh, so you are just like in the county or something.
1: So so I was going to school at the time. So they let me make it. So say like the charges happen in May. They let me, they said, Oh, you're going to school. It's supposed to finish in September. What we're gonna do for you? Go finish school and then and then turn yourself in. You're still gonna be on probation, but you're gonna to have to turn yourself into county and then your and then your uh your time at boot camp's gonna start. Right? So during that time, I was split up with old girl. Right. And I said something stupid on the phone. Like, I'm you,
0: don't, like, have to, you yeah, don't have to get you know? into it. Like, you know
1: what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, a, it was a threat, and and okay. and, and it was taken that way. So then, then I was going to school at the time, and I and I I got got home. And you weren't uh, even
0: 21, right? No.
1: Nah, okay. No, nah, I wasn't 21. You're a kid. Yeah. Okay. Um. And and they they uh, they had come by the house. The detectives or whatever, constable or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. left a number. I was like, what's this about? I called him up and said, "You home?" Yeah. About 30 minutes later, six cop cars pulled up to the house.
0: Cuz you threatened her?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And so they 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 so then they basically took me to jail and started my started my time from there, and, you know, started there. Wow. And I was supposed to be uh So then they did, gave me another charge, right? Mm-hmm. So so then the the, char- the that was like, "Okay, we're going to give you 15 days just and, and and just for and reduce it down. To minor or whatever anyways they they end up releasing me by accident because I was supposed to just do the 15 days and then stay in there right for, to, to wait to wait for boot camp let you know I, I get out for a weekend and I'm like nah I can't do this <laughs> make that phone call on Monday Monday like I was oh yeah so then re-lock me up go back to county I have some stories of county but that's kind of traumatic but like I mean we we're talking about trauma I mean just Dealing with, I wasn't, that's because I was aggravated robbery. So I was in the aggravated tank. And I may be come across as a thug, but I was a little, right. I was a little skinny right. kid right. back then. And I was white.
0: So that wasn't really your people. Mm-mm. <laughs>
1: you know, I got hemmed up a couple of times in there. that was tough. Yeah. And then, so meanwhile, my, my foul partner was, was in, in jail at the same mm-hmm. time. And then we, uh, in county, uh, you know, I, I was a little promiscuous. And so they, they offer you to do an AIDS test at the time. And so I said, all right, cool. Yeah. So then you go down to the clinic. And uh, I go down to the clinic. And, uh, and I'm sitting there waiting. And there's a guy sitting next to me. And he looks over and sees my wristband. And sees his name, Penner. Turns out it was the guy we shot.
0: He was in the clinic. Yeah. Holy shit.
1: Yeah, he was. We were. I was sitting next to him.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah, and so like, so that's why I say he survived, and that's the reason I know.
0: Holy shit.
1: Because we were. Sit- Wait,
0: so he was locked up too?
1: He was. Yeah, and like he briefly told me like like a mo, uh, what's it called? Uh, he was probably on probation. Motiv- okay. Motivation. MVP. What. Whatever, motivate, modal, what the fuck? I don't know. M-word to, to, to revoke, you know, probation or whatever. Motion to revoke, there it is.
0: Oh, so he, so he like, wasn't yeah. the greatest dude either. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It was just happenstance, All right? right? Did, did y'all fight?
1: Nah. Oh. Somehow we didn't fight. Wow. Yeah, I know. You're lucky. Yeah, I got lucky. They, they they split us before anything happened.
0: I was thinking you, like, robbed some, like, nice old man. And... Okay, Yeah, right. that's not what I... Yeah. Okay, go ahead.
1: And so uh that I just want yeah saved that because that, well, I was in in the county waiting for a boot camp and then so I was supposed to wait longer and my buddy had been in the in, in there the whole time since May mm-hmm. well we end up getting the the thing where you go from county to to boot camp at the same time and so we were end up being in the same platoon
0: okay
1: because it was like it was a Marine, it's a marine boot camp okay marine style boot camp um and we, that was kind of a no-no. We weren't supposed to be
0: right because you're homies,
1: yeah, right? Right. Um, and they didn't really maybe. know. They didn't really ask. Whatever. It is what it is. Boot Camp was a motherfucker, man. I can imagine. Like, and
0: do you think it was for the good?
1: For me? Yeah. I mean, overall, did he yeah. even
0: taught you lessons?
1: That yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, I'm not saying I was squeaky clean afterwards, but right, like, right. you know, maybe. Um, but like even even in boot camp, like we had like uh intake platoon before you're actually in a platoon. And it's supposed to be like three and a half months. You're supposed to be in there three and a half months, and then you 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 get out, you're still you're on you're on whatever probation mm-hmm. for whatever whatever right. thing and then you go about your, your life. Well, there's a moment, there's one moment there when in the intake platoon. Like one of the drill instructors or COs said says, says something to the fact that, something to the fact of, uh y'all are all different races and this and that and this and that and y'all got to get along and this. And I chuckled more as a reaction of duh. Right. <laughs> he took it the other way.
0: Oh, like something bad.
1: Like I was being racist. Like right. I was, you right. know. Right. Because
0: you're a white dude.
1: Yeah, because I'm a white dude. And he didn't know know me know you know right. that I'm not like pretty much anti-racist right. you know, um, pretty much that a not thing. Well, necessary. I mean, we call it
0: anti-racist now, but yeah,
1: yeah. But like, so, anyways, that that was that moment. Uh, ended up getting into our platoon, uh, and then I wasn't a very much a an exercise dude, and mm-hmm. so we were end up doing you know they call it thrashing they would just put you in a, a sand pit and you're just like push ups push ups push ups oh, down God. and down and backs down and, you know all this boom 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 Well, I was just like dogging it you know I wasn't mm-hmm. doing too good not not on purpose just right. just because like I wasn't I wasn't that, that guy right so ended up getting a, a like a charge
2: for, for not exercising they, 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 hard yeah, enough they call it malingering <laughs> what
1: the- yeah, they call it malingering, wow. right? You're, you're, you're fucking off, right? So end up getting a charge for that. While well, they're, they gave you motivational platoon, which is basically uh, you have a yoke on your yoke. You know what the yoke is, right? No. Like, like, so a big old two by uh, four by four. Okay. Bucket on each end. Oh hell no! And so you gotta go. You gotta go. Go. Put the sand in the bucket and walk from here to over there. That's the
0: motivational. <laughs> yeah, it's motivational. Wow.
1: This is like yeah. So this is yeah. So so they give me that and and usually people quit. Why well, didn't quit? They I got fired. <laughs> it's like I got fired and so they give me another charge. So the 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 next next step is they revoke your. You broke your status in in your platoon. Okay. So then you have to restart over. Oh so, Jesus. So by this time, I was I was uh, like a month in or whatever, right? So I skipped I think two platoons or whatever, or something like that. They were like there would be like in a two week ro- rotation. You know, every er, every two weeks a, a different platoons getting out. So they give so me- So you were in
0: there for 16 years and no,
1: then- <laughs> No, So So they gave it to me. I go go to a different platoon and mind you, the, the original platoon I was in, we started like September. We were getting out perfect right before Thanksgiving.
0: Right.
1: Right before Thanksgiving. But that's my,
0: not what happened. No,
1: that's not what happened. So I recycled, that's what they call it, recycle, and I was getting out January 15th.
0: That's a long time.
1: So it like, makes you- to me, I, I, I say this a lot is like I was lo- I was locked up long enough. Mm. Long enough to appreciate my freedom.
0: Right. Okay. You
1: know, you know what I'm saying? Like so so I, I end up, you know, meanwhile I saw my buddy, he, he got out Thanksgiving. You know? I saw him, you know, I saw him get his visitation, saw him leave. He was
0: like, I mean uh, turkey motherfucker, yeah. peace out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then so get out, uh finally January fifteenth, whatever, do my thing. Uh I don't know how I mean I, I I that's a synopsis of the of that part of my life. I don't want to So that was uh, a
0: traumatic experience, yeah, right? Yeah, so we're right. going to move on to something else, but like let's be also clear, uh you've never been in that kind of trouble again. Like you're Not to that extent. Right. No. No. And like you did your probation, you got off probation. Right. You're an upstanding citizen now. Like you're I just don't want anyone to ever question like who you are as a person now. You know, you oh, learn okay, lessons yeah, when yeah, you were yeah, younger, Yeah, right?
1: yeah, yeah. It was definitely, right? definitely like so. You, yeah,
0: you learn the lessons when you were younger and have done a lot of really good things with your life now, right? So, right, um, right. You know, like you raise your kids, right? You own a home, you have a good job, right. so you know.
1: Yeah, because I mean, that what's sad about that is I was on probation for ten years, and it got brought up a couple times when I was working construction down in Houston, and like I was still on probation, and like they don't see, you know, they they look at, they check your they run your in certain hospitals we worked at they'd run your oh, stuff yeah, sure. and, and then they'd be like no you can't, you, work you can't work here
0: yeah and i and i understand that but like within the justice system cuz i i do a lot of work in yeah. in those spaces you know recidivism you know which is going back to jail over and over and over is very common right. you know and it's mostly because there's not a lot of programs for people whether they're you know young adults or older adults once 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 they go in a lot of people either don't learn their lessons or there's nothing available to them when they get out and so they're like, how do I live, you know, uh, a non-criminal life when I can't get a job? I can't mm-hmm. get an apartment. I can't do this. I can't. My mom won't let me, you know, come home because my little, little cousins are there. Or whatever. You know you know what I'm saying? Right. And then people end up back in the streets and then they end up on drugs or they end up committing crimes again. And that's that's the unfortunate part of our country is that we don't have— there are very few states that have programs that are like good reentry programs and really help people get on their feet. And I don't—I'm not saying that Texas had a good one. No. I'm saying whatever you experienced, you got your own shit together. Yeah, I mean, you know? I think I
1: think I lucked out in a lot of a lot of times, and 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 and, and did work to work on myself to right. stay out. And
0: I think that's—I would like to focus on that yeah. part. Is that's the
1: yeah. that you?
0: I would have never known. I've known you for a long time now. I would have never known any of this. About you. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. even thought any of this about you if you would not have told me. Yeah. Because you don't, um, because you, you're a good, solid dude. You're a good dad. Yeah. You have a good heart. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, right. All right. So that was jail.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, like, I, I guess we pre- preemphasize this, the, the daddy issue. And I think that's what caused me to be, cause he wasn't around. I mean, know? that's
0: a lot of reasons why people you know? join gangs. Yeah, exactly. They don't have male I, figures, like, so. I was
1: close to being real full gang member, you know. What Just, kind of a
0: gang would you have joined, though?
1: Because uh, I was always around. What do you mean?
0: Like a Latino gang? Yeah. Like, what mean, would they have done it, then? It,
1: it, it, would, it was still, like, it was multiverse, you know, but Yeah.
0: So but I like but there Mexican was a gang curps? that I couldn't get.
1: You know, I mean we just had like.
0: I'm just saying you're white, but you weren't about to join the Aryan Nation, right? right
1: no, hell so no, no, no. You're gonna be but like, like I'm a white
0: blood. Yeah,
1: no, I mean it's it was different, but yeah. I don't know much yeah, about the Texas yeah, culture it, like that. It was that, so. it was different, and now like a lot of the like prison gangs are so like diverse and not not like oh really not like yeah, the I movies don't. like you know where it's the white, the Mexican, oh, okay. and the and, I just and know the black gangs. The movies, so yeah, I don't right. know about the jail gangs in real life, right? So. No, yeah. Okay. So, anyways. So, uh, you went to
0: jail. So, that was a big traumatic thing, and you think it stemmed from your dad, which is fair. Right. And then, what else? What other? Um,
1: Well, um, so.
0: At what uh, point did you have Katie? Because we talked about you had your son Trey when you were 19. So,
1: Trey was born, and then I get out, and then I'm doing the whole weekend visit thing with okay. my, with, or as much as she would let me have Trey. Okay. And, and whatnot, and, you know, doing my thing, work and all that. Meanwhile, she's moving around a lot, like around Texas a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey was probably in, like, first grade or whatever. And but they
0: have the same mom, right? Right. So you were not just visiting
1: Trey. so, so, <laughs> When when he about in first grade, I think it, it was like his fifth, it, maybe his five year old party when he, you know birthday party. She, right right then, she was either pregnant or just had Kelly. Okay, from her from another. Oh date, right, she okay. has a
0: kid in between your yeah. two kids, well,
1: right? Yeah. but actually, she had one even between there, but who was put up for adoption. Oh wow! And in and, and kept in the family. So she was doing a lot. Yeah. Okay. You know? And so she had Kelly. We decided to try to make this work between me and her. Got it. And then got pregnant with Katie.
0: Okay. Katie's your child.
1: Yeah. Right. Katie's my child. And... But, like, a year... like And around that time is when I started doing what I do for work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I started going to apprenticeship school. Good. Right. Uh, Those are good decisions. Right. And so, during that moment... um, uh, you know, we're making it work as a family, uh, income tax come around and like, I think we were, we were burning both candles at the wind. Like she would work overnight and I'd work during the day and it would just pass off the kids. And, and you just, were
0: helping raise Kelly. Yeah. So you guys yeah. had three kids. You were yeah. working opposite shifts. two. you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, that's a lot, you know,
1: and, and, um, we, uh, I, I, one day, you know, we just got income taxes and she, she said, Hey, I'm gonna go look for a house. Uh, you know, to rent so we can get out. I was staying in my grandma's house at the, at the time. Okay. And, um, so I said, all right, cool. I, you know, I don't care, whatever, find mm-hmm. a place, let me know where we're at. I come home, empty house. Welp. Welp. She's the OG whelper before I even like, before, before I even know that was a thing.
0: We talked about that last yeah. episode too. Whelp is part of, part of his comedy routine. And it's yeah. just that idea
1: that yeah.
0: when someone just bounces.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, come home to an empty house.
0: That's tough.
1: Yeah, that was that was a rough one. Where were
0: your children they with mo- her? With her, oh, they, shit. They, she
1: had just moved and just like left the Houston area to like I believe the Valley at the moment, at, you know, like Corpus or something like that. Okay. Um. Uh. Then like bounced around. She bounced around a lot, and I and I did too. And then at, at one point, uh, Trey came to live with me. Uh, want to say 2007, 2003, something like that. I don't know. I don't remember dates. Okay. But he was living with me, back and forth living with me, but then eventually living with me Uh, like junior high.
0: Okay.
1: When he's in junior high. So this is where we're going to get the heaviest and the traumatic. Um, So Trey was going to school. He wasn't the greatest uh, student. Was acting out, and he ended up getting kicked out of of school. How old was he? Uh, uh, Sixth grade.
0: Okay. So he's like 12?
1: No. 13. So maybe seventh seventh grade. Seventh grade.
0: Okay.
1: Got kicked out of school, and I was going to the church at the time, and his buddy- uh, Trey's friend? Trey's friend. Okay. Trey's friend's uh, family did like homeschooling. Okay. So that was, like, going to be the alternative to, okay. to, to get him to school. Right. Um, I'm working construction, uh, so I had to, like, get him up early, go over there, drop him off, and then and then go do what I got to do mm-hmm. in my car. On the morning of, uh, I knew the night before, uh, remind myself I need gas in the morning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And me and... Teenage boy being, so on, just you and him at this point. Okay. Just me and him living in an apartment, and he being ornery in the morning, just being like a teenager. Teenager. They're uh, fun, and we got in a little. They're, they're not fun. Yeah, we got in a little fight or whatever. <laughs> you know, just like normal, normal fight. You know,
0: right.
1: you know, hurry the hell up. You know, kind of stuff, right? And get in the car. Forgot I needed gas. Got on the freeway. Ran out of gas. Oh shit. Uh, exited the exit. We're supposed to exit, and there's a gas station at the corner, but it's three quarters of a mile. Okay. Uh, it's five thirty in the morning, dark, uh, and there was it was kind of like a, a service road, and that it, it had like a a hill bump. Mm-hmm. So we decided to push the car, and and I'm dri- I'm pushing from the driver's side, and he's pushing from the back, and yeah lo and behold, somebody smacked us from the behind and killed him instantly and like I knew from the from the <laughs> moment that happened when I'm laying on the in the concrete that 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 he was no longer with us and yeah so that's my big traumatic event um and I have to say, like there's been some ups and downs with it. Yeah. Dealing with it. I've dealt with it in different facets of my life. So...
0: You miss him a lot.
1: I miss him a lot. And... Uh, I have to say, like, his personality has made me be the person I am today. Like, to be more outgoing than I probably was. Explain that. Um, He was always, like, the... The like party animal in a way like fun way, mm-hmm. you know, like making people laugh yeah and 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 just that outgoing personality, yeah, you know, and so I have to say i'm i'm not I'm not saying he's the reason I got into comedy, mm-hmm. but I try to emulate a little bit of that, you know, and I get take that. it take it, you know, also, just the whole like life is short. Yeah. And just, you know, sometimes you got to take opportunities. Yeah.
0: You know. Um I don't think we talked about that much, but um, you know, we talked about Katie being non-binary, right? Yeah. And Katie's partner being a, a trans man and yeah. how we haven't talked too much about that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in future episodes and mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe they'd be good guests to have on yeah. actually. And I know you and I have talked in the past about um how it was kind of hard, but you became accepting, you know, and you, I think, because I've been here through this process with you for the most part. Um, uh, and that's another, we might've talked about that, I think yeah. actually about the farmer's market situation. Yeah, I, I was like, she great, gay, right?
1: It, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, briefly, and yeah.
0: Um, and uh, I think, um, I think you've done an exceptional job with Katie um, and with Corey and understanding that. And, um, and I wonder if you would have done such a good job if this wouldn't have happened like if if you realized like I have to be the best dad I can be for Katie,
1: yeah, like I think I touched on it with another podcast I did just briefly, like with the fact of losing a child, mm-hmm. now I didn't want to be a dumbass and fuck up because of yeah what the 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 stigma of yeah. of that, of yeah. like, because I know so many parents would just like push their kids away from uh, the,
0: oh, it's easy know, from, to from from disconnect. that lifestyle, yeah. from
1: that lifestyle, you know, whatever. The, oh, you're
0: know, you talking about the gayness? Oh, yeah, yeah for You know what sure. I'm saying? And so like, oh, it's a phase or. Oh. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or whatever. Or no. And, and, you know, there's some families that shun their kids. Oh, of course. Tons, you know, yeah, right? Absolutely. Right. And so I think without the fact that I did lose Trey, that I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't have. I don't think I would have, but, right. but it definitely different perspective. Yeah. You don't want to be like, I'm going to push you away just because you're gay right. and I already lost a kid, you right. know, like, what? You know what saying? that's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. I already lost a kid. Why am I going to just, you know. Do you have guilt? Uh, yes. And during that whole process, there was a lot of like, <clears throat> you killed him kind of, kind of vibe that I got, you know. From do you, people. From, from, do you
0: know that you didn't?
1: Yes. I know this. I know this person, okay. that, you know, but I did get that. That was an accident. Yeah, yeah, it was an accident. Okay. But I did get the vibe from a lot of people that weren't, you know, the right people. Yeah. You know, and I you know, just what it is. I did get that vibe from a lot of people. That's a lot. Yeah.
0: And that's what I, that's what I was saying when I, when we talked about introducing our trauma and. Taking this time to really talk through it, you right. know what I'm saying. Um, it's because we have some unique experiences with trauma. Is that what you want to say about your situation? So I can check my list
1: off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we'll stop there. I have a like another one, but I don't. I think we'll just end, it, end with that traumatic, you know, event and not and because uh, it is the big one. Yeah, you know, it's a lot. And you know, maybe over time we'll get in some other incidents that have happened throughout my life
0: but and I don't I don't know how you deal with everything all the time but I can say that I think you're a really great dad thanks and I think that um if Trey was here you'd be a great dad to him yeah and I'm a firm believer that the universe is intentional
1: mm.
0: you know and maybe maybe you wouldn't have been so great to Katie if Trey you know what I'm saying like
1: right yeah. We
0: are where we are because of where we came from. And yeah. um, uh, I think it's important that, and it's a beautiful thing that you're willing to share this with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't something you keep secret, you know? No. You don't necessarily tell everyone. I don't that I
1: tell everyone, but I do. When, you know, once I get comfortable with people, most right. of the time it comes out. But.
0: And, um, but I think it's it's important that people understand where you've been and what makes you who you are. Yes. Um and I think as you continue to grow, you could also and maybe people listening and watching this podcast will reach out to you, you yeah. know, because your story is impactful, you know. Yeah. But it's also unique. You know, right. we know in life death is the one thing that we know is going to happen, but not in that way and not to our children and yeah, all of those I mean, things, they, they you know. Yeah, I mean they don't you
1: know, they say you're not supposed to bury your kids, right. you know, like there's there's turns for for uh you know, widow, and and there's right. not a there's not a term for when you lose your child.
0: Right, right. And it was in a, a really traumatic way. Yeah. So, but I I'm I'm proud of proud to be your friend. I'm proud that you were brave enough to tell that story. Mm, thank you. And um, and I, uh, obviously I never got to meet Trey, but I'm sure wherever he is, he's proud of you. And Katie is Katie and Corey are very lucky to have you. Yeah. So, um. So my trauma, I don't know. I think I went through a lot of typical stuff as a kid. Um, just to give, just kind of a quick overview. My dad is the oldest of eight Catholic kids. He probably had his own trauma growing up. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't know if he was affected by, you know, this. Catholic priest scandal that we know exists. Um, But I've heard through some family members that some other things might have happened to my dad. Um, My mom was the oldest of her family, and she's got a little brother who's a couple years younger than her and then one that was born when she was 14. So she parented him in a lot of ways, I think. Um, And I think that both my parents were abused. And so when I came along and I'm the oldest of the whole family on both sides, I don't think that they wanted to um, physically you know, punish us very often. I mean, we didn't get physically punished very often. Um, Not the way that I'm sure that they did. Um, But that turned into, unfortunately for my dad, a lot of um, emotional abuse. Um, I was also extremely smart. Uh, I would like to think that I still am. But (laughs) um, they tested me in kindergarten because they thought I was autistic um and this is when they really didn't know a lot about autism <laughs> when they realized so like, I was
1: just gifted. Got right.
0: Um Not, and yeah,
1: I was kind of a smart dude. Too.
0: A, and so um so uh I was really smart and I would challenge my parents on things, especially my dad. Okay. <clears throat> and I think what I would when I would become challenging, he would just get pissed. So he would call me names or he would say really fucked up things. Oh. And uh, I didn't feel loved by my dad in the, those moments, um, so that was hard. Um, I, I, uh, I think that I suffered from some sexual trauma when I was a child, um, but I don't, I don't want to get into that because I don't, I don't know. Um, but I was when I was 19, uh, I was staying in a friend's house, and um, I was. I often hung out with older people and these people were like their mid, late twenties. And, um, it was actually like a fight party and we went to a bar. I don't know how I got into a bar at 19, but, um, I spent the night at my, my guy friend's house and I slept in his daughter's room cause she was at away at her, at her mom's or whatever. And, uh, and I woke up in the middle of the night, um, to his friend having sex with me. Oh, wow. Um, his friend was a high school vice principal Oh. Uh, in Long Beach. I was in Southern California at the time. Um, but I didn't even call her a rape until I was like 26, 27. Because as women, we often say, well, what did I do? Did I, was I flirting oh, with him? Did okay. I did he think he wanted it? Things like that. Um, but I, I was raped, you know? I was raped. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure on some subconscious level that had a lot, you know.
1: Right, because so... <laughs> During that, you you didn't report it. Oh right? no, absolutely right. not. So it's that whole stigma. You don't you don't say. Well, don't. because
0: I thought maybe I had done something. Okay. okay. Like I didn't even I don't. And I was I didn't have an open relationship with my parents to talk about sex or anything. So it's like I was all on my own dealing with it. Got it. So I didn't even tell my parents. So I was like, like I said, I might have been a little younger than twenty six, maybe twenty five, when I first okay. told my parents. Um. So that was, that was tough. I also grew up, I was very, very, very thin when I was little. And then I got fat, like third, fourth grade, even though I played soccer, I was super active. So, you know, I found my place, um, usually hanging out with dudes. Um, but not like, not like the one that fucked everybody. I was like the home girl, gotcha. um, uh, which probably presented some bad habits, uh, or manifested some bad habits, uh. I learned some pretty bad things. F- and I, most of my friends were, you know, affiliated, you know, gang affiliated. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Southern California at the time. So they were the Bloods so or they were Crips. I, my best girlfriend was a, you know, Pomona Piru. Like, yeah. but I was also in school. I was in honors classes. I was in the band. So I lived on both sides of the tracks. Um, but I had some experiences that were pretty traumatic. I also, um, I put myself in situations that were unsafe. Um And we could get into, like, the psychology of that, but it doesn't matter. I just went through a lot of little things. And then at home, um, I didn't have a very close relationship with my mom. I love my dad, um, but everybody always chose my brother. I called him the golden Mm -hmm. boy. I still call him the golden boy. But He's older or uh, younger? No, he's younger. I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. But um, uh, he could just do no wrong. You know, me and my brother are fighting downstairs. Just two of you? Yeah, it's just us. Um, I have another... A woman that I call my sister, she actually lives near Dallas now, but um, she was my foster sister. Okay. Um, she was a friend, and then she became my foster sister. Gotcha. Um, she was my enemy between those two things, uh-huh. but that's a whole uh-huh. other story. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, m- my brother and I would be fighting. He would yell my name, and my dad would be like, what, what are you doing? And, like, yell at me. I'm, it didn't matter who was doing what. It was always my fault. Right. And then, again, I would get smart with my dad, um, like, be smart-mouthed with him, or I would just out-logic him. And he would get pissed, and so he would be really abusive. It was actually when I was 18. I was, I think I was getting ready to move out, or maybe I'd already moved out. And I remember my dad just berating me about something, and I'm just in the corner of my parents' bedroom, like in the fetal position. And my mom never really defended me. She always kind of made excuses for my dad. And I remember my mom finally looking at my dad and saying, if you don't love her, just tell her. What? Yeah. And the weird thing is, I never thought my dad didn't love me. I thought he didn't know how to love me properly. You know, I don't think my mom thought that either. I think that was her way of defending me. And they both came from trauma, right? So nobody knew what the fuck they were doing is what I'm saying. So I know sometimes we can be really sensitive and, you know, positive parenting and all this shit that people do now. And we kind of make fun of because we're older, but... um, I, I I can appreciate how parents try and be better parents these days because my parents didn't know how to be and we didn't talk about these things. So they just did the best they could. But it definitely caused a lot of stuff for me. Um, so I put myself in bad situations. I made bad choices. Some pretty fucked up things happened to me. Um, I moved back to the Bay Area when I was 18 and in those couple of years, I met a guy who was very popular and very cute and was the star of the basketball, you know, league. And um, then he was he was my boyfriend. And um, I'm not going to name his name, but um, All right. they wouldn't call me. Let's say his name is Joe. It wasn't, but let's say his name is Joe. They wouldn't call me Allison. They'd call me Joe's girl. Mm. And I was just like, oh, that's me. Um, but he was uh, cheating on me that's and me. It's kind of a jab, me. though, isn't it?
1: Like, you... No. You, you, know, you liked it like that? Fuck
0: yeah. Because I was, like, he was that dude. Like, you I'm, not, okay. I, I'm not... Got it. Okay. I'm not... I guess I
1: can see it from both perspectives. It's like not being called by your name. And being called... Oh, no, Jones. it's
0: because I was that popular okay. because I was his girl. You okay. know what I'm saying? I, I,
1: okay, let me stop you. Go so
0: it, it was like, I'm not Vanessa. I'm Kobe's wife. You know right. what I'm saying? And that was a, an elevation for me because, remember, I'm a fat girl. I've been through hella shit with dudes. Dudes, dudes want to fuck you, but they don't want to date you. I so you. for me, this is a place of pride, right? But he was cheating on me, and uh, um, eventually he got physically violent with me. Okay. Um One night in particular, we were visiting his mom. I had a car. He didn't. I went out to his mom's house. It was about 35 minutes from where I lived. And I walked in and he's on the phone to another bitch. So I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. And he's like, no, you're not. And he was like, we're going to spend the night and you're going to take me back to where we lived in San Jose. He didn't live with me, but, you know, whatever. Because I was his ride, too. And I was like, no, I'm leaving. And he pinned my arm so far behind my back that I thought he was going to pull my shoulder, like my arm out of my shoulder socket. And his mom lived in the house and his mom heard um, me and she came out and he said, go the fuck in the room. And she did. And she left me there. And um, I was so scared. I ended up calling my friends who live nearby and I couldn't tell them what was going on because he stood behind me and listened Um, but they, they were like asking me, are you with so-and-so, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, I'm with so-and-so. No, I'm not okay. But it was all coded because he's standing there. Yeah. I ended up just spending the night and the next day, whatever. And I stayed with him after that. You know what I'm saying? I put up with a lot of shit from him. So that was very traumatic. Um, and then, uh, I ended up, um, uh, moving back to Southern California, moving back to the Bay Area a few years later. And then I met my husband, my first husband. And um, overall, that marriage was good. Um, There wasn't a lot of trauma there necessarily. It wasn't. There, there was a lot of good things. He loved me for who I was. He loved me and the way I looked. He loved my person. He understood me because I'm a complicated person. I have a I have a complicated personality, and I know that. Okay. Um, he was a good dude, you know? And we got married. We moved to Southern California to be closer to my parents, my family. Um, but then we just, we had some issues, and, and we decided to split up. And that's how I ended up in Seattle. I was getting divorced from my first husband. Um uh, and then I met a man who uh, seemed like a good guy, um, and he wasn't, and he ended up moving in with me for a while, and um, he ended up abusing me, but I think I was dealing with trauma uh, myself, so he would try and hit me, and I would fight him. Oh. And so we would fight each other, and that shit was ugly. And this was only 10 years ago. This wasn't, the, you know. Oh, wow. Well, this is in two thousand and sixteen, really, and um, so that was pretty bad. Uh, and I, I'm not a victim usually, so I like my friends didn't know what was going on. Um, they didn't see bruises, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but that was a lot. That was a lot. And then I kind of realized, like, this is unhealthy all the way around, and and this man's not going to get any better. And I, I deserve better. And this is not healthy for me. And this isn't even who the fuck I am. I think this is all trauma response to other things in my life. Getting divorced, being alone. Um, you know, it's just me and my daughter out here. Right. And that was a lot. Not having great friendships here yet. You know, things now, like
1: that. I, I want to stop you just a minute. Can you back up to like when Sam came into it? Sam t- came t-
0: into t- my life. Uh, Sam, my daughter. Yes. Um, just to be clear. Um, my first husband and I had a big, huge house we couldn't get pregnant so that's that's some more trauma you right. know we weren't getting pregnant um but we became foster parents cuz we had a huge house so we fostered teens and i was a high school teacher at the time and so sam came to us in 2011 through foster care um later that year my pe- my father passed away so that again that was more trauma more trauma okay um my dad was only 59 when he passed away i was only 33 okay. um um, so yeah, I didn't even include that in the trauma, but yeah, that's pretty traumatic. Yeah. I'm also, some people might think this is kooky, but, um, I believe in somewhat, uh, in astrology and I'm a Libra. I'm a triple Libra. I'm a Libra sun, moon, rising, which means I am very much about balance, fairness, justice, equality, sometimes to a fault, but I can also look at things from both sides very well. And, um, just to say what I need to say about my dad, um, my dad was in the hospital because he was sick from something that we thought he would recover from. And then he had a massive heart attack and died. And um, when I got to the hospital that morning, my my first husband and I, um, I said, I'm not going to go in the room. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't want to see his body. Like this, this is insane. My brother and my mom happened to be there when it happened. And I was only the one, one that wasn't. But of course I just walked right in the room and I put my hand on his chest and I said, um... I forgive you for everything that you did. And I'm sorry for everything that I did to you. Um, and then ironically, I said, where's the priest? Because um, he was Catholic. I was agnostic, but I was like, I think he should have a priest, right? And it was yeah. crazy because this priest comes in. They said, oh, he's on the way to, you know, reading his last rites. Um, and he looked exactly like my dad's uncle who actually taught at a Catholic college. <laughs> and like everybody loved this particular uncle, Uncle Pete. Um, But a few weeks later, I had a dream, and I was kind of like in this church setting. There's a bunch of shit going on, but all I remember is my dad was sitting in the front pew, and I remember walking down the aisle, seeing my dad, turning and putting my hand on on his chest. Mm -hmm. And I remember him looking at me and saying, I'm okay. And at the time, uh, I was 21 when his mom died, but I had all my other grandparents still and I remember him saying, I'm with grandma, I'm good. And that's the only dream I ever had about my dad. Um, but back to the perspective thing, I lost my dad on Sunday, November 27th, uh, 2011, and I was 33 years old. And I have some friends um, that I went to high school with. One was my age, and one was a senior when we were freshmen, uh, Kelly and Paul. And um, they lost their dad on Sunday. November 27th, 1981, and Paul was three. Wow. And so 30 years later, I, I only had 33 years with my dad. He had three with his dad. Mm. There's a lot of perspective there. You know, the night my dad died, actually, my grandpa on my mom's side was the first person to get to the house. That was family. And I remember when he walked in, um... I hated my grandpa in that moment mm. because why can my mom hug her dad when I couldn't hug mine? Um, and there was a brief moment of grief and I love my grandpa. My grandpa just died a couple of years ago. We were super close and, you know, maybe I'll talk about that one day, but um, it just was unnatural. But at the same time I could also, I had friends that lost their parents mm-hmm. at 19, at 18, at, you know, at, at, and Paul 30 years to the day, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so I always kept that in perspective and my dad was a big music fan. I'm a big music fan. My dad loved to laugh. He thought he was a comedian. He was not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah. So that was trauma. I guess I skipped over that. So thank you for bringing that kind of back. But Sam came to us in 2011 in August. My father passed away in November, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, which makes that a shitty weekend for me. Um, And then in 2013, that's when I moved up here. I had the abusive relationship. Um, And then I kicked that guy out on Halloween, 2016. That was his birthday. Um, Mm -hmm. Not intentional. It was just, you need to get the fuck out of my house. Just the timing. Mm -hmm. Because my daughter was being exposed to it and it just was unhealthy. And then in January of 2017, uh, I was online. You know, I was talking to different people and I was on the phone with this one guy who's from New York. He's very handsome. He's very charming. And I was like, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? It was my day off. I had a every other Thursday off. And he's like, I'm going to go file a parenting plan. I got a six-month-old, which I knew about. Um, but she's not letting me see my son. So I went to a nonprofit, and I got this parenting plan. I need to finish it. And I'm like, oh, I'm a social worker. You know, I can help you. And he's like, no, I got it. And he called me back later. And he's like, actually, yeah, will you come help me? Just make sure I did it right. So I drove to Seattle that next day. And I met this man. Um... And, um, I helped him finish the parenting plan. We went and filed it at court. I actually drove all the way out from Seattle to Spanaway and served her parents. She was at work, so I Mm. served her parents. And, um, me and that guy just became inseparable. Like we just, it was almost like love at first sight, which is just cheesy because I'm not that kind of girl, but it was, you know, and he was funny and very handsome and extremely smart and, um, We just, we just fell in love and, um, he was from Brooklyn. So we had a little edge about him and, Mm. um, and, uh, he had just gotten out of culinary school and he wanted to be a chef. I was doing politics at the time. He was supporting me in politics. I was supporting his dreams. He wanted to eventually open a restaurant. So I was like, let's open a catering company. So we did that. And he worked full time as a chef as well. Um, but, we got married really quickly. Within six months, we were married. I mean, we just were like, this is it, right? Yep. Like, this is, it just felt right. So we got married. We started going through the court process. Um, it's funny because later on, his baby mama said, I thought you were his lawyer <laughs> the first time I saw you because <laughs> it was in well, court. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, eventually, we ended up with a very normal every other weekend, you know, situation with his son. Um, me and the mom did all the pick up and drop off. She's a very, very, very chill woman. And she, she got to know me and she realized that she could trust me, even if she didn't trust him, which I didn't know all the details there, but whatever. Um, and then he started having some weird behaviors, like he would lock himself in the bathroom. And at first I thought, oh, are you cheating on me talking to another, you know, talking to a bitch, whatever.
1: Well, because that's what you experienced. Yeah,
0: of course, right? right? Like I had been cheated on. I had been in bad situations. And then one weekend he didn't come home from work. And, of course, I search everywhere, um, hospitals, family, like I, mm. whatever. He comes home two days later and he's still in his his chef outfit and he's just reeking of alcohol. And he tells me, like, I went and had some drinks. I got drunk. I passed out in my car. I woke up. I felt bad about it. I drank some more. I have a problem with alcohol. And I'm like, okay, we could deal with this, right? Yeah. Like my social worker brain, will, uh, you know, right. we could deal with this. Um, And so we started talking about what that looked like. And again, I'm doing politics full time and I'm working and we have Samantha. He adopted Samantha so she could have... Her last name. Like, we adopted her as an adult, so she could I, have her last name.
1: I knew this remotely, but yeah. I, yeah, I just... She not could have involved. her last
0: name, yeah. so we were Taylors, and and he adopted her, so, so she could be a Taylor, too. Um, and he was a great dad, you know, really great dad. And um, they were busy. We were just always going and everything. And one weekend, he doesn't come home again. And I was just like, okay. So I kind of waited it out, and then he came home. And I knew almost immediately, this is not alcohol. He's like looking under the bed. He's like uh. looking in the out the windows. He's checking closets. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And he's making these like insinuations that there's someone in our house and there's someone that I'm fucking somebody that's under our bed. And I'm like, bro, our bed is two inches off the floor and I like skinny dudes, but not like that. Like, yeah. and it, it, I'm like, he's having a psychotic break or something. Like, something's going on, or he's on drugs. So a bunch of incidents happened and finally um, I realized, uh, I finally got him to admit to me that he used meth. And um, that was disturbing, obviously. But I realized um, as time went on and this pattern continued, most of the time things were fine. Sometimes he would disappear and he would come home and he'd either have been drinking or he'd been using I was lying for him to jobs. I was lying for friends when he disappeared and he didn't come to an event or whatever. Um, and I realized he was probably bipolar. Oh, wow. Because bipolar disorder is, you know, if it's not regulated, people will use alcohol when they're when they need to get brought down at their brain chemistry. Um, this is not science, boys and girls. Um, and meth or some other kind of amphetamine when they're when they're down and they they need to come mm, up. Okay. And that's how they find their balance instead of using Zoloft or something. Right. Um, he's a veteran from the Air Force, so I got him to go, um, and he graduated like top of his class. I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. I got him to go to the American Lake. And do an eval, but unfortunately they don't ask for collateral information, so they only go off what you tell them. Uh, They're not asking about what wives or children or parents or anybody's saying, so they're just believing whatever you're saying. And um, they prescribed him some Zoloft, but he, I didn't know at the time how bad it was, and he was like, oh, I don't want to be mind-controlled. Which I'm like, you don't think meth is mind-controlling you? And he just denied that. He would go to AA for me. He got into a drug and alcohol treatment program. But we had tons of incidences that don't even matter at this point. But it got bad. And um, in October 2018, I was about to turn uh, 40. October 2nd is my birthday. October 7th is his. So my birthday was a Tuesday. His birthday was that Sunday. He planned this huge surprise party with a couple of my friends. Um, That morning he was home. We had a family GPS. I got you. And... uh, it was on. It showed him at home, but he stopped responding. I figured he went to sleep, and I came home to get ready for the party because I found out about the party, oh, okay, um, and he wasn't there, but his phone was, and I was like, please let him be getting a cake or something. No, we already had a cake. It was in the fridge. I had presents. Like, he was, everything was prepared. He was ready, and then he disappeared. So I went to the party. My daughter, you know, at this point, Sam knows – You know, the dad is sick. He uses drugs sometimes. We're trying to get him help, you know. She's been through a lot at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, He doesn't come to the party. I have to lie and say he went to work. I got called into work because the the head chef, he was a sous chef. The head chef was gone. It was pretty, it was an amazing party. But, like, I couldn't even open my presents. By then, I was just like, I got to go home. And I went, and my presents were all very thoughtful gifts. And I never had a man that really thought out things like that. Even my first husband was terrible at gifts. But... Um, so that was on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, I had the Democrats meeting. I was the chair of the Democrats at the time. He came home very late that night and it was, I was just frustrated. I was mad. I was hurt. I was everything. Mm -hmm. And it's been going on for a long time now. And I'm like, you have got to get help. Like we got to figure something else, something else out. Um, Thursday, he went to work Friday. He went to work, never came home. Mm relapsing twice in one week is not normal. So um, he had his GPS off, which is what he would do. Saturday, I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to live in this prison of where's my husband. Because I would just get depressed and you know lay in bed all day or whatever. So Sam and I went to the movies. And he showed up at the movies. He had turned his GPS on and he found us. Yeah, okay. But he found us and he pulled up on us like as if I was with somebody. And I was like, yeah, it's me and Sam at the movies. <laughs> Uh, he ended up coming into the movies. My, my daughter's so sweet. She found there was no seats by us. Whatever we saw, it was sold out or something. So she went and sat way in the front, away from us, so he could sit with me. And halfway through the movie, he got up and just left. And um, I was like, oh, he's, he's coming down, you know. Yeah. And this is Saturday, the day before his birthday. Um, he left. I watched him on the GPS. He went to our house up the street. He drove all the way through Federal Way, through Northeast Tacoma. And he ended up at the Tokyo Steakhouse, Right across the street from the mall. Oh, okay. So when we got done, of course, Sam's like, where's dad? And I was like, I don't know. I think he's over here. We went over there. His car's there. And I, I pull up next to his car, and he's like screaming at something. So I just opened the door. I'm, I'm becoming intolerant. I'm tired yeah. of this. So I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Who are you, who are you talking to, babe? He's like, I'm rapping. <laughs> I was like, mm. okay. So I was like, can you just drive home, and I'll follow you. I got him to drive home, and as soon as we get home, I tell Sam to get out the car, and I tell him to get in mine. Because we had become, we had gotten in this pattern where I would just drive around until he would get tired. And then he would sleep it off, and then we'd have another good few weeks. Nobody really knew what was going on. Our parents barely even knew. My mom knew the least. His parents knew some. Um, I had two friends. I was running a campaign at the time for mm. someone who now is a former state representative, Jesse Johnson. But he and his wife, were. He and his wife knew, but um, that was it. So it was very lonely to be in these spaces. Mm -hmm. So I got him in the car that night. We drove around. We end up in a parking lot of a middle school. And um, we talked for hours. And I recorded it on my phone, but it's mostly audio. Yeah. And we went from, I mean, the conversations with someone who's on meth is crazy, right? Yeah. So we went from, I'm a whore and I'm sleeping with all these people, to... He wants a divorce, and I'm like, fine, I give up. Like, I, two, I'm ready to go to treatment, like, inpatient treatment. Like, it, it, so wow. much conversation, yeah. right? spectrum. And my thing is just like, when is he going to be tired? When are we going home? And so I thought he was tired enough. I said, let's go home. He said, okay. So we went home. He took a shower. He got in bed. He was still acting erratic. It's now after midnight, so it's his birthday, Um, At this point, I said, I need to take off my wife hat and put my social worker hat on. What would I do if he was a client? I would call the King County Crisis Team. And that's a team of Mm. social workers that come with the police who are trained to deal with people in mental health crises or, you know, these types of issues. I called them to say, I just want you to come check out my husband. What I wanted them to do was take him to Western State Hospital, which is our institution Mm -hmm. um, that serves various levels of people, to do an evaluation, to put him on a psych hold. To do an evaluation so I could be like, this is not alcoholism. This is fucking bipolar disorder. To give us a baseline for me to really force him. Force? You can't force somebody. But to say our life that we're building, which is a great life we're building, is going to fall apart if you don't get help. And he said I could call these people. I asked him, can I call these social workers? You know, I just want to make sure you're good. And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. I'll talk to him. And so um, I'm on the phone with them. And of course, there's never enough money or time or people. So they say it's going to be six hours before they can come out. And it's like two in the morning, three in the morning. might have been later. must have been later. No, it had to be later. It was like six in the morning. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work. I need y'all to come now because they will not take him um, if they don't see signs that he's going to self-harm or harm someone else. Right. So I'm like, please. And I'm trying to speak in coded language because he's sitting right there. But I'm like, please, like, I really need you guys to come Um, because I knew I'm losing my husband at this point. And his dad and I had had conversations like, what happens when he takes the wrong drug, which now we know is fentanyl, and what happens when he takes the drug that he doesn't come back from mentally? And honestly, maybe at this point, he already had, and we didn't realize it. So at one point I get up and I had to pee in the bathrooms in our bedroom. So I was peeing with the, the door open. I'm on the phone, and I heard him say, she's in the bathroom now, we can get her. Which was weird because he had never threatened me before. I never felt unsafe before. And I'm pissed at this point and I'm tired. I haven't slept in, you know, 48 hours or whatever.
1: But also you said we can get her. Right. So, he's, so
0: me, yeah. being the asshole that I am, while I'm on hold, stand up from the toilet, look out the door and say, shut the fuck up talking to the voices in your head. Because mm. I'm pissed and I'm tired and I love my mm-hmm. husband desperately. And I just want him to get better. And um, at one point he, I don't even know what he said. I got finished peeing. I washed my hands. I definitely washed my hands. Um, I would not. I'm still on the phone. The lady gets back on the phone. I go out into our bedroom, not a very big bedroom. My side faces the door out of our bedroom. So I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. The door is probably four feet in front of me. At some point he had left the room. I'm talking to the woman. I don't know what she's saying at this point. Um, he walks back into the room it's now about 7.30 in the morning, but he, he's put um, sh- like extra sheets from our bed on top of the window. So it's very dark still. Um, he comes back in the room as I'm on the phone and he stabs me in the face. Oh. <laughs> and I, um, I pulled the knife out of my face. I said to the lady, uh, he just stabbed me in the face. And I just realized that she had never asked my address because it's not protocol at that point to have done so. So I hang up on her because she's not going to help me. Um, I start screaming. My daughter, who was probably awake because she's nosy, (laughs) Um, she runs in the room. I say, go get help. I stood up in between him and the door because I don't want him to go after her. I don't remember what happened in our bedroom, but he had another knife. Somehow we end up in the hallway it's a small, you know, it's, a, it's like a, a condo. It's not very big. Um, he ended up locking the door so she couldn't leave, but never attacked her at all. I remember him locking the door and then coming back to me and hitting me. I remember us I being in the hallway and he was stabbing me, and I'm literally snapping in his face. And I'm saying, Wake up. I'm calling his name. I'm saying, You're going to kill me. I'm your wife. What are you doing? And I'm really kind of distracting him because I want her to be able to get outside. Yeah. And um, at some point he let me go. I don't remember much. I remember going outside. Now it's it's daylight time, right? But I didn't realize it because our room was so dark. And I'm standing in front of our fourplex, and all the neighbors are outside because obviously they heard us screaming. And I'm in I think underwear and a bra, or a tank top or something. Mm. And I'm covered in blood. And then my neighbor across the way, I realized that's where Sam was. So she says, come in. So I go in the house, in her house. She has a special needs daughter who's very disabled, and her her husband was at work. So she's scared that he's going to come into the house. She's going from the door to the backslider because we had an open backyard. She's on the phone with the police. I sat down on the floor because I remember I didn't want to get her couches bloody. And I remember sitting there and looking at Samantha. And I had my phone in my hand still. <laughs> Thank God. Pop Socket, if you wanna sponsor us, that would be cool because you guys might have saved my life. Um, I had my phone in my hand the whole time because of that damn Pop Socket. And I remember, okay, what am I gonna do? Right? So she's calling the police, but she's freaking out. I remember her saying, he changed his clothes and he came outside. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I, what, what am I doing? And I called my mom. She didn't answer, so I called my brother, and he answers. And I said, "So and so just stabbed me, and I don't know if I'm gonna live. I need you to call mom." And then my mom calls back right away, like she saw the missed call. So I click over. This is fucked up. Like I'm so sorry to my mom and my brother. Mm. It was horrible. Like they live in California. Like this yeah. is it's not like we can just drive over, you know. So, um, my mom, I click over to my mom and I said, Mom, I don't know what happened, but so-and-so just stabbed me and I don't know if I'm going to make it. I need you to come and get Sam. And, uh, I guess I hung up the phone and I handed Samantha my phone and I said, call so-and-so, which is a family friend." that I knew would take care of her as like an older woman at the time. We're not, yeah. unfortunately we're not friends with her anymore, but, um, I just knew I didn't know what was going to happen, but I needed my kid to be okay. Um, cause even at, you know, 24 or whatever, she's special needs. She yeah. can't take care of herself. And I think right around then the door opens. I remember thinking, where the fuck are the paramedics? They walk in and there's cops everywhere and there's pictures being taken and, there's paramedics down next to me. This is how, I, this is the moment I probably should have known I was destined for comedy. Mm. Paramedics are working on me. They're asking me what's going on. First thing I say to them is, Where the fuck have you guys been? Cause you're only around the corner. Cause there's a fire station literally on my block. And they said, Your husband's outside and we can't leave until we couldn't come in until the cops said it was okay. And I was like, Okay. And I, I remember looking straight ahead and they're talking. They were asking me questions. Again, I remember cops taking pictures and talking to my daughter and talking to the— Like, it's just—it's a, it's a movie scene, right? Mm-hmm. It's a movie scene. <clears throat> and I remember saying to them—and this is funny, and you could appreciate this because you're old enough to remember. But Remember that show ER that George Clooney was on? Yeah. It was like a medical drama. It was like Grey's Anatomy before Grey's Anatomy, basically. I remember saying to the paramedics, look, I watched a lot of ER when I was growing up. And I know that if I'm talking, it's because my heart is still beating, but I feel like I'm fading and I think I'm going to pass out. And I know that's not good. So if you want my fat ass to get on that stretcher, we're going to have to go now because I think I can still stand up. And the paramedics both stopped and looked at me and said, uh, Mrs. Taylor, we'll get you on the stretcher. And they, like you can tell they're holding back laughs, right? Because they can't believe I just said that. I'm like, oh, I'm just saying I, I can get up right now if you need right. me to. <laughs> they're like, we got you. So they get me on the stretcher I'm fading in and out They get me into the ambulance Uh, Paramedics over here Paramedics over here Paramedics You know, on all sides of me Also two firemen are in the the ambulance That's not normal To also bring firemen I found out later it's because they had to pack my wounds Not normal Mm. They had to give me seven uh, units of blood and platelets In the ambulance Not normal Um, I remember this guy saying I'm going to be your your lead paramedic. I'm going to give you something in the IV and you're going to go to sleep. And then we're going to intubate you. Okay, cool. What, what the, I'm in shock, right? And then I remember waking up in the ambulance, but they don't know that I'm awake because I can't open my eyes or anything. And I remember laying there thinking, well, if I don't die from these stab wounds, I'm definitely going to die from this thing in my throat because it's not a good feeling, the intubation. Yeah, intubation. And um, I remember the guy, he was a, fireman at the end but where my feet were and I remember him saying to the other fireman I think I broke that lady's couch <laughs> and um, when he pulled the couch to get the gurnia or the stretcher, or whatever he heard it crack and I remember him recalling that story again they don't know that I'm listening to right. any of this and then I remember I think his name was Brandon I remember him putting his fingers on my right wrist because my I was kind of laying like this and I remember him saying, I don't feel much of a pulse.
1: Mm. And
0: then I woke up a day and a half later. And um, I had had uh, a six-hour surgery, where they cut me wide open. Um, and they, you know, he had my lung. I, um, I, He stabbed me nine times total. He stabbed me in my arm. He stabbed me in my face. He stabbed me in my chest. And he stabbed me all over my abdomen. And then in my, my breast, mm. um, and I spent 35 days in Harborview. I'm the one in the ICU. I had to call his parents and tell his parents, like, uh, so has he called you? <laughs> Cause this is what he did. Um, when I woke up, my mom and my brother were standing there. They just drove straight for 18 hours. The whole time, my mom is talking to the detective, who's saying I'm alive and telling her what's going on, but she's also calling the hospital, who's saying we don't have a patient by that name because of HIPAA, but my mom doesn't think about that. She's just oh, in trauma, shit. so she thinks I'm dead. Um, My uncle was here from Spokane. I have two uncles that live in Spokane, and my uncle was here, and he I remember him just kissing me on the forehead mm. and just saying I needed to see that you were okay. He also owns a donut shop. Shout out Retro Donuts in Spokane. And he brought, like, a bunch of donuts for the staff. And he's like, I brought them donuts. And then he left. And um, I spent 35 days at Harborview. Mm. I had to call my stepson, Isaiah. I had to call his mom. He was only two at the time, and I had to— Actually, I didn't call. I texted her and said, "Uh, we're not going to be picking up Isaiah this weekend. And she told me later, she was at work when she got word from her dad that the cops had stopped by their house— she looked up on the King County jail roster. She just had a, you know, the cop showed up. She just had a gut feeling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and uh, she's the one that ended up telling me that he was initially charged with homicide. Wow. Because I didn't think I was going to live. Right. So, um, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, that was four and a half years ago and uh, the pandemic happened in 2019. He had a lawyer and it got dragged on and this went all the way. It took almost two years to get him uh, to take a plea deal. He took a plea deal of uh, attempted homicide. All of this extraneous charges, like the weapons charge and uh, mm. a kidnapping charge or a false imprisonment charge. They dropped all that shit, um, which is fine. But even at um, even at attempted homicide, the maximum... Time was eighteen years. The low end was twelve four, and I actually advocated for the twelve four mm. because my husband is sick. He's not my ex husband, you yeah. know. I had a lawyer who heard my story, and she reached out to me, and she was amazing. Shout out to Amanda Dubois and the du- Dubois Law Firm in Seattle. Um, but uh, she did my she did my uh, divorce pro bono, and it was all electronic. It was pretty amazing. Um. Um, shout out to Isaiah's mom, Jennifer, who, mm. Isaiah's still in my life. We actually, That's today good. we just made plans for her seventh birthday party. Nice. In two weeks. Shout out to wild waves where we're going to be. <laughs> All these people can sponsors, by the way. Um, um, we're like a family now. She has a, a sister who has teenage daughters. We go on vacations together. Like she could have walked out of my life. You know, I, yeah. she brought him to see me in the hospital mm. twice. Because she knew how much that little boy meant to me, yeah. and she calls me his evil stepmom. Nice. Her sister calls like me his uh, baby mama. <laughs>
1: you look like what? No, <laughs> I mean, her her, her nice. sister
0: calls me Jen's baby mama. Um, you know.
1: Can I ask this one? Sure. Um, during the court proceedings or anything, did you see him? Or um, have any like conversation with him? He called
0: me a few times when I got out of the hospital when he shouldn't have.
1: Right. First
0: first couple of times were erratic and he's like, I don't know what happened. And I was like, Well, you fucking on meth and you stabbed me. Mm. Um and then he ended up on Zoloft. So all of a sudden mm. he was chill and he was like, I'm on Zoloft. And I'm like, You should have fucking taken it two years ago.
1: Yeah. When I, they I prescribed just, it to you. Not that not that you and um, maybe you maybe need it or, or not. I just I'm just curious about if y'all if y'all had some kind of conversation <laughs> no, afterwards.
0: Um so he called me a few times, but I realized that that was unhealthy, and also yeah. there's a restraining order, right? right? So that happened for about two months, and then I said, "Don't call me again." Like this, okay. is, like I loved him so much still. Um, not that I could ever be with him, but it was just like I loved who he was when he wasn't sick, and I knew that I had to 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 be separated from him mm-hmm. because. He needed to get better. And it's not that I will ever be with him again. I won't. Oh,
1: yeah, I know that. You know what I'm, I'm, saying? De- I, I'm so saying? I, I cut already.
0: the phone calls off. And then the next time I saw him was at the first, the only time I ever saw him. Um, I went to the, um, I went to where he accepted the plea, which normally victims don't go. And I didn't even tell. I went with one friend and I didn't tell anybody. Mm. But I sat when he accepted his plea. And then um, three days later, the, the next day, actually, the courts closed down because of COVID. <laughs> Oh, wow, so that was March. And then we had to wait till August for sentencing so we could do that in person. And I am a extremely good writer. And so I wrote an extremely impactful impact statement. My daughter also wrote an impact statement. I think my mom did. Um my impact statement was so impactful the clerk the clerks of the court were crying. Mm. And the judge actually got really emotional because I also, as much as I said, like you, it was a very long impact statement, but it basically said, like, I hope that you get better, and I hope that you live up to the potential that I know you have because you are a beautiful human, and I forgive you for what you did. Um, and his impact statement for me was pretty intense, you know, and, yeah. it, was, and it was full of um, what I believe to be um, accountability. Um,
1: so he, yeah, I mean, even though it was in a drug state, he had like, do you do you think he had remorse? Like,
0: yeah, he also got a diagnosis while why he was in in county.
1: Yeah,
0: guess what it was
1: bipolar. <laughs> bipolar disorder right. and, and with
0: psychotic features. Sad. Um. Yeah, it's been weird. I have a fr- I, one of my best friends from high school. has spent a lot of time in and out of prison, ironically here in Washington. Um, and I was afraid that he was going to kill kill my husband. Well, he, I mean, I wasn't afraid. He would have. If they ended up in Walla Walla together, so oh, I had to do a shit. separator agreement so they could never be in the same prison. I had some gangster friends. People yeah, don't believe yeah, me, but yeah, I'm like, nah, yeah, not no, for
1: real. I, I believe you. But-
0: and so that was that was weird and hard to deal with, because um, if if that would have ever happened, because my my friend is a boss, yeah, you know, on the yard, I'm sure. And um, if that would have ever happened, I how would I have lived with myself? Um, mm. So I had to make sure that they were separated. Um. By the end of 2019, I was a registered domestic violence advocate. Um, Unfortunately, I I haven't done much with it because of the pandemic, but I would like to start. I probably should. I probably just need to take the initiative and start working with uh, Dawn, which is a domestic awareness women's network in Kent, um, and and do a a support group for women survivors. But even within the survivor world, you know, I've been through typical... (laughs) if you want to call it that, DV, you know, where I was getting my ass whipped right, or whatever. Right. And this is, this, this is, is not, not that. This is not
1: typical, it's unique.
0: Most people, most mm-hmm. people who go through what I went through de- are dead. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I know this has been a long episode and um, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we should do our last segment and wrap up, but. I think that we'll probably touch on these topics again yeah
1: and and when you were telling your story, I'm reminded about a couple of other traumatic events that have happened in my life and and you know, and I'm same you know, yeah. and so I think we'll know. have these
0: conversations again because yeah. mental health matters, yes, but I really wanted our you know future listeners yeah to to understand some losing a child is not normal, losing a child in that way is not normal um d v rape like those things are almost normal i mean so so many people it's
1: sad that they are, have experienced
0: that but what i went
1: through yeah that's not normal is not normal yeah and um
0: you know i have complex ptsd and that fucks with my relationships with people like,
1: did they just recently did they just recently add the c to that i, uh, I, I, just, I don't know how long
0: it's been around okay I, i'm, I'm just saying it's, just just more, a statement. Intense, it's a more intense it's more intense version I, of I ptsd just, i just now learned that um, I don't know when the history. I don't know the history yeah, of that.
1: Yeah, just, just I just know I went talk. from and that ex- regular that def- PTSD yeah. to the to the big version. Yeah, that explains that explains your you know.
0: You know. <laughs> and also explains a lot of personal relationships because complex PTSD. Um, it's almost this is not a clinical. It's not science. I've already mm-hmm. said that. For me, it's like I live in fight or flight, and I don't run away. Yeah. So for me, I live in a state of, of fight sometimes. Um, and it affects all aspects of my life. And yeah. it's and it's tough. But I'm still in therapy twice a month. So I'm a therapist today. You know? Um, I can only hope that... Uh, my hope for you is that you truly have forgiven yourself. And that you truly understand that what happened to Trey was not because of you. Yeah. And for myself um i truly do hope that when he gets out that he figures out how to be the best version of himself because i saw that version and he was beautiful right um but man these things fuck us up
1: <laughs> yeah
0: they fuck us up pretty bad is there anything else you
1: want to say before we move on um i'm uh glad we could share and i'm glad our that like we have this bond. Yeah. Even though it's tough, like we have this kind of bond to yeah. each other. And it's crazy that and so I, the universe brought us together at some point.
0: It's and funny because I knew you before I knew him. Yeah. You know what i like I met you before I even met him, before I got yeah. married, any of that. I knew you when I was actually with Yeah. The the dude before.
1: Yeah.
0: And um I just hope that this episode I'm very Forthcoming. I'm very, an external processor, much more than you are. Yeah. And um, I didn't mention this, but the year that everything happened, I actually got pregnant earlier that year, and then I had a miscarriage. Oh. And if I wouldn't have had that miscarriage, I would have been seven months pregnant when he stabbed me. And so, you know, I struggle with motherhood. Like, I'm definitely a mom. Samantha is my child. Right. But there's a piece of me that definitely wishes I would have had a biological child. Yeah. But, like, what if I would have been pregnant? Maybe he wouldn't stabbed me. Maybe he would have been indifferent. I don't know. But I have to just know that the universe is intentional. Mm. And that doesn't make it any easier for Trey to not be here. It doesn't make it any easier for me to have gone through what I've experienced. But I have to believe that everything happens for a reason. So maybe you are a better dad for Katie and Corey because of that. Right. And maybe I am going to do good things with my life because of what I've been through. But Mm. there's a lot of moments Mm -hmm. that I'm sure we both experience that it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I hope that these experiences and us being open about them help someone else heal. Yeah. And and honestly, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, um, reach out to us. Uh, you can reach yeah. out to us.
1: Yeah. For I'm, real, open. I'm an open book.
0: I, yeah. I love the feedback. When I was open about my miscarriage, it was amazing yeah. how many people came out and said like, I've been through this too and I've lost multiple children. I've never been having a baby and I've no. always felt less than. Or When you... Put yourself out there. Other people will give you that energy back, you know? And so that's why I, when we talked about this episode, we talked about it's going to be shit. Yeah. But it will also give us other people a lot of understanding, maybe for who we are and why, you know, we're comedians and we have jobs and we're parents and all this, but um, we want people to be healthy and happy and we want people to, be okay with not being okay. Yeah. Because we all been through some shit. Right. So. Okay. Real quick, before we get done, I know this is a long episode. Yeah. Um, I do want to shout out, before we get to our, our next segment, um, uh, Stay Hydrated Studios, our producer, Nook, who's over there, listening to all this. Um. Thank you for letting us, Go through this journey together.
1: I got you. I'm um, being part of it. I just looked at the time. I was like, wow.
0: I know, okay. right? Um, Okay, so our next segment that we want to be doing is uh, dope or trash, which oh. is just we're going to run through some some things real quick, and we're going to say whether we think it's dope or trash. Uh, go first.
1: Uh, the standalone mustache.
0: Oh, trash. Well, Okay. Uh, I think the right guy is cute. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think like um uh, I, there's some comedians that have them that that like they have like the curl like Andy. Um, uh, I don't know if you know Andy, but um, and uh, I think sometimes is cute. If if they have that like that like barbershop 50s vibe, I think that's kind of cool. But um, it can also be very psycho. So um, like- I think it's. It can go either way.
1: Like, you know, like child molester, like yeah, it's kind level. of level. Yeah, yeah.
0: But my dad had a stand a mustache for a long time. I, but then I look back at my pictures of my dad and be like,
1: I, that I, was a creepy look. I've had to have it like for when, work. for work at one point in my life, and yeah, I hated it. And then I did it for as a dare, but more like the cowboy mustache. Did it? Got know. it. But I'm definitely after that. Then no, everybody like, said <laughs> no. Grow the beard. Um, okay, so I say
2: trash.
0: Uh, I, mean, I say it depends on the person. Okay. No.
2: What do you say? Uh, it gives you cop face. Bad. I don't know about cop that. Right? Face. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, my you're not wrong no, Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're not wrong.
0: Uh. Okay. Your turn. Um. Ice Cube family movies. Trash. Why? <laughs> it, it's,
1: it's just hard to like. I get that he's a I mean, it's just hard to look at like I almost think like he should have a different stage name for his for he should have <laughs> he should a just different go stage by for his real name. Yeah, he should go by O'Shea, O'Shea. For, for movies and Ice Cube for thing. I mean, but it is a it is a thing. Ice I, I, I see Ice Cube like right. like seeing people like that are thug rappers, gangster rappers, oh, and then I- na- and now that
0: I love that Ice t is a fucking cop. Right, I love that. I love that that's shit. That's just um, crazy.
1: The
2: cop Law killer. killer. The What'd cop, you say? Cop, cop killer. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Like,
0: talk about a full circle moment. They're like, so we got this part for you on Law and Order, yeah. but we're going. We're talking about Ice Cube. Okay, I Ice think Cube. Ice Cube family movies are super cute.
1: I liked. I liked him in uh, the. What's the one with him and Kevin Hart? Is there, I don't remember. It, Ride Along. Yes. yes. What is it? Yes, Ride Along. They did two. Oh you know yeah, it was? that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good I like something like that.
0: Yeah. I think it's great. And I think it just, if Snoop Dogg can fucking do whatever he does yeah. with Martha Stewart, you know what I'm saying? That's true. I love Ice Cube and I think it humanizes him. And, uh, you know, No Vaseline is one of the hardest rap songs the ever. Best. You know what I'm saying? So for him to go from NWA and those kinds of songs that have that image and we just saw him, yeah. which we'll talk about that experience one day. Yeah. Um, I'll, best I'll... concert, but also I hate Rob. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's yes. a whole other story, but I mean, you know, like he's still a gangster for sure in, in his music, Right. but I love that it humanizes him.
1: I get it. Um, hey, well, I love, that, I about guess, him. Yeah. I love okay. that about him. So uh, you said uh, trash. I say. Uh, now, now, you're, now you're swerving me. <laughs> uh, I think it's. Uh, yeah, it's dope. I guess. You
0: know, <laughs> I'm not here to convince you, bro. No, it's just. I'm, just, uh, uh, I'm
1: staying saying So I looked at it from my lens. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm a dad. And so it's cool. But I was a thug. Okay. No. So,
2: okay. Um, it's definitely not what we expected from him, uh, coming up because, uh, he was a certain way, but when it, when it first started happening, I realized he was good at it and that was weird too.
0: And that's the the Uh, thing is he's a good actor. He's he's not a terrible actor. So. Good
2: writer, good actor. He's, uh, it's really weird that he's good at this. Yeah. I love him for that. So I, I, I guess it's dope.
0: I mean, not only did Snoop... Not only does Snoop do the Martha Stewart shit, right, with their little weird kinky situation, yeah. but he also just did, I don't know if you saw this at Christmas, but Kim Kardashian's Skims line, they put out a line of, like, family pajamas, and Snoop Dogg and his entire family, grandkids and everybody, were the first ad that they did, I think. Oh, God.
1: Okay. And so it was made. like,
0: Snoop Dogg does fucking yeah. pajama yeah, 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 ads yeah, 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 yeah. with his granddaughter. Like,
1: uh, I, yeah.
0: Like th- these are all...
1: Snoop Dogg's a, a spokesperson for Skechers now. <laughs> It's like, that's, like that. that's just not right. <laughs> that should have been a whole separate
0: dope or trash. Uh, no, uh, okay. okay. So everybody is like reluctantly. Oh, I right. think it's dope, but you two are like, like reluctantly. reluctantly yeah. Okay, it's dope. It's good, yeah. All right. So what's your next one?
1: Uh deep dish pizza. My next one is food too. That's weird. Oh, no.
0: Uh nah, not really. I'm a thin crust bitch. Uh also because I had a gastric bypass. I know people I'm fat, but I used to be really, really fat. Um, so if I eat pizza, I try and a couple bites of deep dish are cool. It has to be really good crust though. If it's cheap crust, it's just a waste. Yeah. Um, but I'm more of a thin crust person. So yeah. But I'm also a white sauce person, not a red sauce person. Oh, so really?
1: yeah, I say trash also, uh I'm more like in the middle. I don't want like super thin crust. But I don't want... So you're a basic bitch. Yeah, I'm basic. Well, and, and so this subject I brought because I was in the Midwest Chicago. in Chicago. and. Oh, yeah, I had my and, first one in Chicago. And I was like, like trash. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, if I want that, I'll do Yeah, so I don't
2: know what y'all like. What yeah. about... what? No? Oh, man. Definitely thin. Uh, I also had that Giordano's, man.
0: Yeah, Giordano's. That's Everybody what I had, Everybody
2: always talking, talking that place up. It's not knobby. Nah, I'm I'm good. I it like. was
0: more like I'm here to eat the pizza because that's what it, you're supposed it, to also do. It
2: was only two of us. How are we supposed to eat that whole thing? Oh, I
0: got a personal one, so with it with
2: wasn't the fork? Big, You have to eat it with a fork? Yeah, no, it was it with a fork. And then I tried to bring it home and reheat forks. it, and that was a no-go. That wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was I a think, lot. So I think
1: I went there my first time when I was in Chicago.
0: We like pizza, obviously, but deep dish is trash. Um, I do like some deep dish. Just the crust part, Oh, when it's really buttery, that shit's good. But anyways, um, peanut butter m ms I'm
1: uh, I'm not a fan. I'm trash. I don't like peanut butter. It's not my favorite I'm one. done with I, this
0: podcast. We're out of here. <laughs>
1: I'm just going to walk for the brick of the... I'm going to break everything. Please uh, don't charge me for that. Uh, uh, like... Okay. So
0: you hate peanut butter?
1: No, 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 no. I don't hate peanut. I think butter. I like that's what he said. P- you peanut guys. butter cups are my favorite. Uh, Reese's peanut butter cups is my favorite. So what's the
0: problem. I
1: don't know. It's something about M Emin- and I like. I like peanut M and M's, but not peanut butter. It just it's there's something the packaging that just doesn't.
0: So you don't like orange? You do like orange. You fucking love everything <sighs> orange. You have ugly
1: ass orange Crocs. I, I know. No, their packaging is orange. I don't know. No, no. Like I don't know. Just M and M's peanut butter. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't jive with me. He's wrong. I go.
0: Okay. okay. No. I love him. I ah, see. I, know.
1: Okay, don't I knew it. know. I knew he was wrong. Uh,
0: okay, what's your last
1: one? Mumble Rap.
0: Oh, um, fuck. Um, Mumble Rap has amazing beats, but it's trash. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard because I really like the music of music, but man- I don't. I have no idea what Young Thug says. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, it's lifestyle. That's all I know. <laughs> like, it's it's hard. It's hard.
1: I can't get with it. And him. you
0: can actually look at the words. Like, you know, I have Apple Music, so I look at the words, and I'm like, oh, okay, he actually said something. What's the point though? Yeah. And we come from storytelling rap. I'm a right. I don't know if we've talked about this. I have a huge Outkast tattoo. Uh, yeah. He's Andre tattoo about- with the goat. You know what I'm saying? Storytelling rap. Yeah. But. Yeah. Mumba rap is weird. Lifestyle. That's all
1: uh, I just don't get it. And, I, like I want the best
0: part is watching people try and rap along with yeah. it. That's 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 probably the, yeah. the dopest okay, part so of it. So we both it.
1: say trash. <laughs> what does Nook say?
2: Absolute garbage. Okay, good. I hate yes. it so All much. Right. I was like, sure he's going to be on board with that. You're supposed to be a professional at this and you're terrible at it. I hate right. it. You suck at this. But don't God, stop The beats be good, just, Stop doing it. Just have a beat. Their beats then be just good. have a beat. Get somebody good to rap on that beat. That, that's the thing. Be that. a professional thing. on the thing that you're at your profession. That's the thing.
0: You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, My last one. uh, Cars that front. Let me explain. Okay. Um, like Hyundai's and Kias, when they like when they came out when we were kids, we were like trash cars. Like, ew, you have a Kia, like you're poor, whatever, right? But now they put out cars that look like Bentleys. They put out cars oh, that look like
1: BMWs and shit. Yeah, right? the key, the key, like the Genesis. Yeah, right? that's Is it. That yeah, it. Yeah, when well, first time I seen that, I was like, and that's I had to, a, I had to that's look a it bad up. Bitch. I was like, I was like, that's a Kia. Right. Yeah. Cars that uh, front doper tra-
0: uh, trash.
1: Yeah, trash. I'm just gonna, I, I'm gonna yeah trash.
0: Because if you can buy that car for thirty five thousand dollars, right, you could get like a Honda Accord for there, you know what I'm saying, right. or or what something that doesn't fake the funk like it's a BMW or right. fucking whatever. Yeah. I don't like them. I think they're dumb. No. I think they just make you look like you're trying really fucking hard. Mm. That's the way I feel I about it. it. So I'm trash. You're trash.
2: Trash. No. Nope. Where you at? Not really a car person. But, I like, guess it's weird that they do that. You said what? It's weird that they do that when they can just make their own thing. Yeah, it's, it's hella weird. Be, be, be you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kia stick with, stick with right. Kias. Right. I like the, I like the Kia yeah. Stinger. I have a, a, a Optima, but uh, I'm not saying Kias are yeah, bad. That, I'm
0: saying when they make them, they don't, to look they don't like do that those thing. other cars. Yeah,
2: those, yeah. I see what you're saying.
0: Don't like it. Yeah. All right. I don't like it at all.
1: Yeah, I'm just like, like you I know like what? Do
0: better. Don't fake the funk. You know right. what I'm saying? Do better and get it. If you if you really want a a, a, a Bentley, get a, Put yourself in the situation. And get a Bentley. Yeah. Or get you a Honda Accord and keep it motherfucking pushing.
2: That's what I say. Because it only that. looks good until one really pulls up. So that, you know, they do look good though.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we're at well. the end of this this episode.
1: Yeah. Been a heavy episode. You good? I'm good. All right.
0: I know we've um. been talking about it for weeks. Like,
1: yeah. what's it gonna be like, bro? Yeah. And I think we got like- I think we got just enough into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that yeah. things will come up, but I also think when we talk about other things, because we're not afraid to talk about this stuff, we can be like, go back, listen to episode two. Right. You know what I'm saying? Understand where we come from. Right. You know, I often, I'm very open with my trauma and I say things like, oh, when I got stabbed. And I realize sometimes people will be like, what? Yeah. I had a coworker recently that goes, "Um, so are we just going to brush over what you just, when yeah. I got stabbed? And I'm like, oh, I, f- I realize yeah. you didn't know. Yeah. Whereas when I went to that office and I mentioned something about being stabbed, the coworker goes, oh, I remember hearing your story. It was a yeah, different office yeah. than the office I was working in. I, I, you I, know? Get, so,
1: I, I get the same thing when I say I, you know, I, lost, I lost my son.
2: Exactly. You know? So it's what? like,
0: as we talk about other traumas that happen and things that come up or, you know, these were the heaviest things that happened to us. Right. You know, having dads that were hard on us, losing a child, going through what I've been through. You know, we can refer back to this, um, but people can listen to this episode, I hope, and really understand some underlying stuff from where we come from. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe do some of their own healing or, or be inspired by where we, we've gone or where we will go with this podcast. Um, But, it, you know, a lot of comics do podcasts, you know, and they, they have different goals with their podcasts. And one thing that was important to us, like we said, was talking about mental health, talking about some difficult things. Right. And, um, I don't know, I don't know that it will get more difficult than today's episode. Yeah but i think it really presents um presents some of the hardest things that we've been through and it also might explain why we are so bonded right you know cuz we've been through our own shit but um hurt people are hurt people right that's what they say um well, maybe, which is true.
1: maybe the opposite heal people yeah. heal people
0: i think i think hurt people can become healed i don't know that we will ever heal from things no, that we've I been don't, through but I. I think hurt people can help heal each other too. Yeah. So. I love you, bro.
1: I love you, bro. I love you, sis.
0: All right. Well, uh, do you have anything big coming up?
1: Uh, I don't think so.
0: I have a bunch of shows. I'm uh, going to Manresa Castle. This this will be over by the time you hear this, but yeah, I'm going to Manresa Castle in Port Townsend, nice. so that'll be dope.
1: I got th- something in June. I'm doing a feature in June. Oh, that's dope. Uh, Shanghai Room, June 16th.
0: Oh, yeah. Shanghai is dope. Yeah, I, yeah, I have... Um,
1: You're a little further along than I am in comedy, and I'm okay with it. Um,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm proud we're, of myself. But, yeah, I'm proud you know, of
1: you. I'm proud you of know.
0: myself, but I have a long ways to go. I know. Um, yeah. So I'm doing The Castle, and then next week I have um, uh, some mics, and then I have a uh, showing Bellingham uh, called Afterglow, which I'm excited to nice. shout out to Nikki Kilpatrick. And then Saturday, I'm actually doing Hot Vine in Seattle, which is a Brungy Brungy show uh, with Greg Beechler and um, uh, Jess Everett and Jay Markowitz, which is that's going to be a dope show. So all of that will have already been probably accomplished and completed, but um, just kind of that's where we're at. Um, Yeah, my daughter is going to be playing in June 10th. Um, in the Special Olympics state games for soccer, so I'm really proud of her. And I blocked out that that weekend to to be with her for most of it. So proud of my daughter. We got a new puppy. I didn't talk about the beginning. We got a new puppy.
1: I see the picture. That's a
0: whole other story. We'll talk about it later. Okay. All, right. All right. Anything else? Not say. All right. Big ups to everybody, and uh we'll see you soon.
2: Peace right. out. Later.